A little girl vanishes into thin air. I looked under cars. I looked in bushes. The investigation still haunts the community. I'm Bryn Caswell, reporter and weekend news anchor. Do you know for sure who killed Erica Baker? I'm Nathan Edwards, morning news anchor at Ding 24-7 Now. Did you kill Erica This is Missing Erica Baker. Can you take me to Erica Baker's body? You're watching 12 WKRC-TV, a new generation of news. 12 News at 5 starts now. Erica disappeared in February 1999. In June, just months later, her family would be recognizing her 10th birthday. But she's not able to celebrate with her family and friends. No one knows where she is. Our reporters mark the occasion, too. But tonight, months after her disappearance, Erica's family say now more than ever, they need you to continue the search. A reporter stands in front of a bulletin board with missing person flyers and a yellow sign that reads volunteers needed. She's at the Erica Baker Recovery Center. It's a small spot in a strip mall brought to life by hundreds of volunteers, parents, grandparents, brothers, and countless neighbors. Erica Baker Recovery Center, may I help you? Erica's grandmother stays close by the telephone. We see some footage of a young Greg Baker, Erica's dad. He's carrying construction materials into the center. Greg Baker is into his fourth month of double duty. Running between his job and the nearly completed recovery center bearing his daughter's name. In the parking lot, maybe a hundred volunteers, some wearing small ribbons for Erica, join hands in a circle as part of a vigil. We see the faces of Erica's neighbors and family appear emotional and even distraught at times. But I feel hope in how our community came together. The center was a jumping off point for the countless searches through parks and neighborhoods for Erica. Hundreds of callers shared tips to aid the investigation. No one forgot about Erica. And on her 10th birthday, when she should have been celebrating turning double digits, her mom Misty is sitting in front of a large sheet cake without Erica. Erica's mother cut the first piece of birthday cake for her daughter. She says she'll freeze it and give it to Erica when she comes home. Misty would be waiting for quite some time before she could thaw out that birthday cake. But only one month after her 10th birthday, detectives would identify a suspect who would lead them closer to the truth. This is the FCI operator. State your name at the tone. Chris. In addition to the swarm of local detectives and investigators, the FBI and the National Center of Missing and Exploited Children sent extra hands. Around June of 99, the National Center of Missing and Exploited Children sent down two experienced investigators, no cost to the city, all on their tab, flew them down, put them up in a hotel. That's Bob Green, the original lead detective assigned to the Erica Baker case. And these are two retired. One was a DEA agent. The other one was a New York cop. And we gave them everything. And they had it for like two days. And then they came to me and they said, okay, for right now, we want to go look at this one guy. It was one of the many targets we were looking at. 
we were sitting in a restaurant. I got a call from my sergeant and said, hey, we've got a guy in a prison who wants to talk to you about the Erica Baker case. So, boom, we diverted and went there. Detective Green and his colleagues left the restaurant to meet with Clifford Butts. He was in prison for a low-level crime. He contacted police after seeing a report about Erica Baker on America's Most Wanted that aired in June 1999. When you first sat down with Clifford, what was his demeanor like as he was telling you this and getting this off his chest? Um, calm, cool, collective. Clifford Butts says Erica Baker's disappearance actually starts in the parking lot of a grocery store named Meyer. It's about a mile from the Kettering Park where she walked her dog. Clifford says he was with his wife and they were helping a friend named Christian Gabriel fix his dusty blue utility van. Christian was with his girlfriend, Jan Franks. Prosecutors say Christian and Jan were crack cocaine users. The group was eyeing up the store to shoplift. The plan was to get enough money to buy more drugs. Christian Gabriel and Jan Franks, they were dating at the time. We'll hear more about them in a moment. But first, back to the grocery store parking lot. Here's Detective Green again. So as it was explained to me by Clifford Butts was that Christian Gabriel's van was broken down at the Meyer lot. So they acquired another vehicle and Chris, Jan Franks, Clifford Butts and his wife drove to Meyer, fixed up, the, fixed the van. It was something that they could repair and they were able to do that. They got it going and everything. And then the couples split up and went into two different doors into Meyer and Kettering. And what they were doing was they were going to steal from the store whatever their ill-gotten gains were, they were gonna then meet back in Dayton at an apartment. Clifford and his wife did that, went. And it was sometime after that, that Jan and Chris showed up. Uh, apparently he had a, a conversation in the van. What was exactly said is unclear because a lot of the things that Cliff said wasn't completely truthful. So it's unclear what exact conversation they had. Um, but um, apparently when Chris and Jan came back from the Meyer incident and it took so long, Jan informed Chris, Clifford to go down and talk to Chris. Chris was by his van. They got in the van and he told her, he told him, hey, this girl. Detective Green says Clifford and Christian had a conversation the day after Erica vanished. He, I remember he told me that they were walking and that there was already a flyer out on Erica. And he said, that's the girl I was telling you about, that girl right there. So why did Clifford call you up? That's our news director, Becky Golden. Did his guilt start to get to him or was he trying to make a deal? Well, he was, he was in solitary confinement in prison and they have TV and him and his cellmate, him and his cellmate were watching TV and America's Most Wanted was on and they mentioned the Erica Baker case. He had mentioned it to his cellmate that he knew who killed her. And uh, the next day he thought about that. He didn't want his cellmate snitching on him. So he went ahead and 
called an investigator that's assigned to the prison to reach out to us. When you first heard this story, when you went to go visit him, did you believe his story at first or did you think it sounded kind of ridiculous? Didn't know how to take it, okay. but one of the first things I did was check to see if Chris had a van. Because he, he mentioned that they were in the van and they were able to find a van. And that van had recently, had been towed and was in a tow yard. Did he say he was particularly close with Christian? They had met at the workhouse, a lockdown facility ran by the city of Dayton. Became buddies there. We'll be stuck here forever. <laughs> right in here. In July 1999, one month after Erica's 10th birthday, Kettering police contacted Christian Gabriel and he agreed to sit down for a polygraph test. Mr. Gabriel, do you know exactly why you're here? I'm just trying to say that I hit that little girl. <laughs> so you know, you don't know her from anywhere? No, the only way I know her is from the posters. Okay. Honestly, this footage is strange. It's in black and white. The camera is from a high angle, and it's as if through blinds or a grate on an AC unit. In frame, we see a man wearing a wide tie. He waves his glasses when he talks. Chris, do you want to find out the truth about this matter? Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to help me? Yeah. The interview starts with basic information. He's in between jobs right now. He dropped out of high school in Florida. He earned his GED while he was locked up. At the time of the polygraph test, he lived in the Dayton suburb of Jeffersonville. He was divorced and had an eight-year-old daughter. The last time he saw her was in 1994. The questions get a little harder. Now, as a child, Chris, can you remember ever lying? Yeah. About as an adult, do you remember ever lying to an adult? Lying to my mom, lying to my dad, everyone. <laughs> mom, when did you lie to your mom about? Oh, stupid stuff. I mean, like what? I don't know. Like if she asked me if I'm doing any drugs. What kind of thing? Stuff like that. Until finally. Do you know for sure who killed Erica Baker? Did you kill? Can you take me to Erica Baker's body? It's hard to hear, but he's saying no to each of these questions. After a short break, the results of the polygraph test. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, 
where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The person administering the polygraph test left the room and returned with the results. Kettering police say he failed the polygraph test. You have a daughter, Chris, right? Yeah, I do. And how? And your daughter is about she be eight years old. old. And that's about how old this girl was. <laughs> and if your daughter was killed accidentally, just like her, would you want her to lay out in some field somewhere? No, I wouldn't. But I didn't do it. Chris, there's no doubt. I don't care what that says, man. I did not do it. You didn't sexually assault her or anything, did you? You guys are crazy, man. What? You guys are crazy. You guys are you guys are blowing this shit up the porch, man. Someone's well, educating me that I did this shit and I didn't do it. Well, tell me exactly what happened. I don't, I don't know what happened. I, I wasn't there. You were there. No, I was not there when she got hit. No, I wasn't. He asks if Clifford Butts, the man who told police about Christian Gabriel, was responsible for making Erica disappear. Did Butts do this? I don't know if he did it. No, I don't, I don't even know if anyone else has used my van. They might have taken it while I was asleep. I don't know. I don't want you to have to carry this with you. Well, I'm not carrying that. I didn't Chris, do you it. know you are. No. Chris, I don't, know, I don't know what you think, but I'm not here to hurt you. I'm, 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 I'm ready to go home. They said they're taking home. I'm ready to go home. Let me run down my way. But here's the thing with polygraph tests. They're unreliable. Even back in the 1990s, psychologists wondered if a machine that could universally measure if someone was lying was more myth than reality. Generally, results from polygraph tests aren't allowed to be used as evidence in court. So in July 1999, Kettering police let Christian Gabriel go. Here's Detective Green again. Did you ever think personally, we, we got him? We found who did this. At what point did you ever yeah. think that? Or did you ever think that? Um, it wasn't at that time. I, I didn't because we had a lot of other tips coming in still. Still getting calls from other people. We were focusing on him, but we weren't dead-eyed focused on him. We were covering other situations as well, other targets. Christian Gabriel ended up going to prison for a low-level crime months later. While he was locked up, detectives went to his friends and family for answers. Here's Christian talking with the girlfriend he dated after Erica disappeared. At the tone, please say your name. Chris. Please wait to see if the charges for this call will be accepted. You will be put on. Hello? What are you doing? What are you doing? Mm, nothing. Being depressed? Why? Because I had a couple of visitors at work today. Who? Oh, a couple of your friends from Kettering. Huh? Yeah. What the hell is up with that situation? You need to tell me. Who? Them detectives. Well, what do they want? They want to talk to me now. And I got to call them, make an appointment to talk to them. They come up to my f- work today. About the same thing? Yeah, about that little girl. And I'm going to tell you what, I read that dude's statement. And what does it say? Oh, it says that you f***ing did a lot of shit. 
Yeah, I, I told the detective, I said, if I found out it was true that he did that, I said, I'd kill my myself. And I didn't think he'd do that. I told the detective. Man, I took my little baby's life on the line. They showed me a picture of you. They had a picture of Jan, a suspect wanted picture of Jan. She's talking about Jan Franks. Christian and Jan were dating when Erica disappeared. Detectives say she was with Christian in the van the day Erica Baker went missing. Jan was in and out of the prison system, just like Christian was. Christian talks to his mom and dad probably the most on these tapes. They're supportive. Well, mostly. They believe that he didn't do anything connected to the Erica Baker case. And they're starting to bring it up again, trying to, trying to, trying to accuse me again. Whatever, Christian. You have no problems if you didn't do anything. Well, I know, but they, um, they, um, they brought her, they brought her statements and stuff to read that some guy that I know, that I don't know, uh-huh. wrote, saying, saying that we picked this girl up. Oh, Christian. <laughs> Just knock it off. Don't worry about it. If you didn't do it, you have nothing to worry oh, about. Oh, I know. All right, so forget it. So right now, Nathan, let's break this all down. At this point in the investigation in 1999, few characters are emerging. Right. We have Clifford Butts, who gave information to police. We have Clifford's wife at the time, Sabrina. Police pretty much ruled out Sabrina having any involvement in this. We have Christian Gabriel, who detectives say failed the polygraph test. And we have Jan Franks, his former girlfriend at the time Erica disappeared. So let's start with Clifford Butts. Nathan, you found his address and dropped in to knock on his door. What was that experience like? We wanted to hear it straight from the source to make sure we have all the facts straight. I knocked on his door, waited for a while, and, well, ultimately he did not answer. And we've tried many ways to contact Christian Gabriel, too. Yep. He had lawyers throughout the case. I called all of them. Some didn't want to talk. Others just ignored my calls. I went to his mother's house. She still lives in the greater Dayton area. She was hesitant to open the front door at first. There was a big no soliciting sign, and I heard a man behind the door saying, don't answer. But I kept knocking. She finally answered the door. She told me she didn't want to talk about Christian. And she added she hadn't spoken to him in years. She said she believes her son lives somewhere out west now, possibly Oregon. Even in those jailhouse phone calls from 23 years ago, he talked about wanting to move out west to Colorado to, quote, get away from people. And then there's Jan Franks. Yes, Christian's girlfriend at the time of Erica's disappearance. Jan was also married, but police say her husband was in and out of jail throughout 1999 when Erica vanished. This detail will be important in a moment. Her story takes some unexpected twists and turns. This is where it gets really interesting. Back about 20 years ago, the county prosecutor says he tried to contact Jan Franks about the Erica Baker case. Jan had gone in and out of the court system, mostly connected to her drug use, and she was already assigned a federal public defender named Beth Lewis. The county prosecutor says Beth Lewis wouldn't let them talk to Jan. Then Jan Franks overdosed. She died in 2001. We spoke with Matt Heck. He's been the county's prosecutor throughout the entire 23 years of this case. I asked him what happens to attorney-client privilege after a lawyer's client dies. 
It turns out a client's death doesn't just mean the client's right to confidentiality disappears. So we went to her husband and he agreed to waive the privilege. So remember how Jan was married. According to the law, her husband could waive the attorney-client privilege, essentially encouraging Jan's lawyer to share any details Jan shared about the night of February 7, 1999. But Jan's lawyer was still pushing back. She decides, well, I don't care what, I'm not going to testify, because we said, we just want you as her lawyer to come in and only testify to anything that Franks would have told you when she was alive about this particular incident or case. And that's when she refused to do that. That caused a spiral effect of hours and days and years of litigation all the way from the Common Pleas Court right next door, who Judge Hall held her in contempt, ordered her to testify, and then that started the appeal process to our Court of Appeals, our Supreme Court, and then she tried to get into the federal court with it, to the U.S. District Court, and then to the, United, to the United States Court of Appeals, Sixth Circuit in Cincinnati. In March 2004, the Ohio Supreme Court unanimously made a decision. Her lawyer, Beth Lewis, needed to tell investigators everything Jan Franks told Beth about Erica Baker's case. So what did Beth Lewis know? Essentially, not much. Prosecutors say that Beth Lewis ultimately did not have any valuable information. She didn't know anything about what Jan Franks was doing February 7th, 1999. Why was she and Christian Gabriel driving by the park in Kettering? And who was driving the van? The Ohio Supreme Court decision came five years since Erica went missing. The Erica Baker Recovery Center has already closed its doors. Her family, friends, and community still didn't have any concrete answers about what happened to her. But detectives continued searching for answers. The prosecutor's office stayed in touch with Detective Green as legal minds unraveled the legal ins and outs. Detective Green says they stayed up to date with the legal happenings to know when to time their interrogations. He says he wanted to remind Christian Gabriel that this case wasn't going away anytime soon. So it was decided to put a little pressure on Chris. And what we did was we went over, find out where he lived. We confirmed he lived there, started surveillance on him. We followed him. Uh, we watched his practices. Um, practices for what? What he did, his daily events. Oh, gotcha. So we had put a lot of uh, a lot of pressure on him, and um, then it was time to confront. And the plan was we were going to confront his mother. We were going to confront his new girlfriend, who was the mother of his son, and we were going to confront him, all simultaneously. The National Center of Missing and Exploited Children would call quarterly and check up. Well, I was out there and they said, hey, how's the case going? And just happened to random call. And I would update them on what it's, what's going on. And they said, well, what if uh, you get me a zip code and we inundate that zip code with missing Erica flyers? So we had detectives go to Chris's house, mom's house. Mom didn't answer the door. Myself and my partner contacted Chris in a parking lot because he was being followed, so we knew where we were at, so we just 
zipped on up to him. And we had someone uh, contact his girlfriend. Uh, she was very, come on in, what do you need? And they tell her what they, they need. And she said, she had no idea. And they had a two-year-old son together. And she had no idea. She even said, look at this. And on her kitchen refrigerator was Erica Baker flyer. She had put it up. She had out. put it up there. Chris, when my partner and I contacted Chris, oh, he was willing to give us uh, his phone number and, and schedule an appointment. Once the police dialed up the pressure of the investigation, Detective Green says the stress led Christian to smoke crack again. And in order to pay for that habit, the way I understand it, he was pawning some of his son's toys, whatever, and he was taking from his uncle's, he's taking his tools and pawning those. So he caught a case from the Clark County Sheriff's Office. And a deputy from Clark County went to knock on his door to say, hey, you need to come in. You're being charged with receiving stolen property. And when the deputy went there, his girlfriend answered the door. She says, are you Detective Green from Kettering? And he said, no, no, I'm, I'm not. Who's that? And, and she said, well, they're looking at him for the Erica Baker case. And he was in shock. And he was arrested for that, and he immediately pled and went to prison. Christian goes behind bars for receiving stolen property. Investigators visit him, and Christian's story shifts. He admits he was there, in the van, going by the park. Erica was last seen walking her dog. I don't know. I don't know if she was breathing. I don't know if she was just unconscious. On the next episode the confession that leads detectives closer to the truth of what happened February 7th, 1999. So I had a chair right next to him and I immediately moved over next to him. My partner was sitting across from him and I put my hand on his knee and I said, why don't you tell me more about that? And as, as I'm still listening, I said to myself, I will never forget this for as long as I live. That's all for this episode of Missing Erica Baker, a podcast from Dayton 24-7 Now. Find us in your podcast app next Tuesday. Follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts so you can never miss an episode. If you like the show, leave us a rating and review. It really helps new listeners find the show. Thanks to our production team from Sinclair Broadcast Group, Becky Golden, Michael Oyan, and Holden Robinson. And our production team at Pod People. Amy Machado, Danielle Roth, Jazzy Johnson, and Adam Raimunda. This is still an active investigation. If you have any tips about the case, please contact Kettering Police at 937-296-2555. For more reporting from Dayton, head to Dayton247now.com. We've created a special section dedicated to this podcast. Until next time, I'm Nathan Edwards. And I'm Bryn Caswell. This has been Missing Erica Baker. 